0: This week in KMA Land, Sydney Mayor and Council at odds over investigations. Page County Supervisors debate meeting minutes, again. New development and courthouse window issue. Water conservation measures announced in Shenandoah. Former KMA Land Superintendent describes Tropical Storm Hillary and a preview of Labor Day weekend activities in Essex and Clarinda. I'm Mike Peterson. The recent dispute between Sydney's mayor and council members continued this week. I have been instructed
1: by my attorney not to say anything. You can refer to my attorney.
0: Sydney Mayor Ken Brown used that phrase several times during Monday Night's Sydney City Council Meeting as council members inquired about the details of an official investigation and official information request conducted and put forward by Brown. For several months, council members and the mayor have been at odds over numerous items, including the creation of a dual city clerk administrator position, of which all three readings were vetoed by Brown. The mayor claims a conflict of interest for Councilman Don Benedict, whose wife Brenda is the deputy city clerk and son Michael is a city employee. Council members voted to override Brown's vetoes before a temporary injunction put in place by an Iowa District Court judge halted the implementation of the position. In that lawsuit against the city and other matters, Brown retained former city attorney Clint Fichter for legal counsel. The councilman, Don Benedict, says Brown violates city ordinance chapter 15 by utilizing Fichter for guidance on city business, something the council hired city attorney Bree Sorensen to provide. Any city legal matters are supposed to go to the city attorney. You continue to disregard the
1: governing body's choices or uh, We approved a city attorney. If you
0: had an issue, you could have talked to any of the council or the city attorney and Maybe this could have been resolved, but now it's come to this. The Iowa Public Information Board also recently rejected a complaint made by Brown, who alleged he made several public record requests for numerous communications and employee records as part of his investigation, but claimed the fees presented by the city to procure the information should be waived, since he was requesting him in his official capacity as mayor. However, Councilman Justin Shirley believes the city shouldn't be wasting employees' time on a matter no other city officials know anything about. We're
1: to make demands to city staff for things to do with this investigation that no one knows what it is. So why would we be wasting the hours of our city staff on things that they could be working on, a ton of other things to do? Everyone knows in this room that there's a lot of things to get done in this city and your investigation is taking up a ton of their time, and nobody knows why.
0: Sorensen says she has attempted to reach out to Victor regarding details of Brown's investigation, but has yet to hear back. Thus, the council also unanimously approved waiting for that additional context before the city clerk's office complies with of the mayor's request for information. Sorensen added the council is obligated to ensure that city business is being conducted appropriately. If
2: you have some suspicion of wrongdoing or some other allegation of wrongdoing that you're investigating it is necessary for the council to understand that know it and stop it if that is in fact happening but the cloak and dagger shadow allegations that never really come to light but just are asserted blanketly are not helpful to continuing on with city
0: business. At least one resident noted during the public comment period that there's a lack of information sharing with the council due to a lack of trust between the mayor and the council. Issues regarding meeting minutes continue to dominate the Page County Board of Supervisors meetings. By a two-to-one vote Thursday night, the supervisors approved a nearly two thousand dollar bill from Gross Welch Marks Claire PCLLO. The board hired the firm at its June 29th meeting for the purpose of advising and consent of issues related to questions to pose to the Attorney General regarding a dispute between the supervisors and auditor over minutes of supervisors' meetings. The supervisors also reviewed an opinion letter from the firm on the minutes' situation at a meeting earlier this month. However, supervisor judy clark who voted against paying the bill says everything the firm provided so far has yet to give any questions to pose the attorney general that's what it
3: says is the attorney general to pose to the attorney general regarding the minutes and general issues these are not questions that have been posed at all these are you going to this attorney who lives in omaha nebraska who's not even an Iowa attorney, to have him research and come issue an opinion about the minutes that are taken in the state of Iowa.
0: Clark head of the Attorney General's office already has contacted through County Attorney Carl Songson to help assemble his memorandum from earlier this year, stating the auditor's office is operating within Iowa Code in producing and publishing the minutes. Our Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes argues the opinion letter was the board's first step and returning to the Adjourney General. Well, they got the opinion
1: letter. Now I do in the draft to bring to the board and then we all look at it and make sure we're good. We'll vote on sending what we send on. I'm not going to do it alone. They're building a draft. You have to do research to build a draft. They're researching the minutes and the issues to make sure they even advise we go forward, and they do advise that.
0: Prior to the vote, the board held a lengthy discussion regarding whether it was necessary to return to the attorney general after Songson did so earlier this year, saying she doesn't understand Holmes' and Supervisor Todd Maher's desire to alter the meeting minutes procedure. Clark says the debate has gone on for too long. And that County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen and her office have received an unwarranted amount of scrutiny. We've been fighting
3: the minutes issue for the past eight months. Wasting hours and hours of discussion and arguments. We've had constant bashing of the auditor and your staff for taking the minutes. The people of page county deserve better. The people of page county are familiar with the minutes that have been recorded for years, giving background information and discussion along with important votes on issues. And the people of Page County have not asked that this procedure be changed.
0: However, Holmes and Mayher argue there have been times that wording or phrases were included in the minutes that were not said during a meeting as one reason for their request to remove discussion from the minutes. Also Thursday night, there was a break in the continuing courthouse window saga. Board members accepted a $75,000 change order from Pella Corporation pending approval of the agreement by County Attorney Carl Songson. Discussions on the change order followed James Finan with Fine Sons, the contractor working on the nearly $750,000 project, reporting a slight mismeasurement in the design of the windows for the first and second floors that were supposed to align with the courthouse masonry band. After the board received a verbal estimate of $35,000 for the reimbursement, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes says he reached out to Pella last week and informed them he and the architects of the project thought the amount needed to be more. Assuming
1: $350,000 is half materials, I'd assume that because I didn't know exactly what they cost. I said a 21, 20% discount would be a normal discount applied to a window that was visually wrong at a store, like anywhere, Lowe's or anywhere. So I said I believe it would be fair to take a 20 by 75,000 would be fair to have our windows not match our plans and get a 20% sale on them for not matching the visual architect design. They submitted that and I am very happy it came in just a little while ago, they accepted.
0: The board tabled action on the reimbursement last week after Kelsey Vetter with Farnsworth, the architect for the project, suggested having the change order in writing before taking action. At that meeting last Monday, Holmes also said he would reach out about negotiations. He added he's been assured the change order won't affect the warranty on the windows. I was
1: concerned about that. I didn't want to accept a cheaper price and have the warranty be affected. They assured me no, it does not affect the warranty in any way. It's just because it was not done according to plans, And so I'm tickled. we got another 40000 to work with on something else around the county.
0: While saying she was happy to see the amount increase to 75000 Supervisor Judy Clark expressed concerns over Holmes not forwarding any information regarding negotiations to herself or Supervisor Todd Maher before the meeting and negotiating directly with Pella. Though the recent heat wave broke last weekend, KMA land remained mostly dry this week. As a result, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen late last week declared Stage 1 water conservation measures spelled out under city ordinances. McQueen tells KMA News the declaration asked residents to voluntarily conserve water because of the city waterworks' low water capacity. What we're
4: just asking people to do is voluntarily, you know, start to try to conserve water. We're asking them to avoid watering their yards, gardens, shrubs, trees, uh, anything like that with a hose. Uh, unless, of course, they have something that would cause a danger to the plant. And then we're asking, you know, not to, to start maybe alternating days even going you know, two or three days out on their waterings um, and for no more than four hours. That, that's basically what stage one says in the ordinance.
0: McQueen says decreasing moisture dating back to 2019 led to lower levels in the city's water wells, while saying the city has adequate water supplies for fire protection, the mayor says further water conservation steps may be necessary if those conditions continue. Queen adds the situation demonstrates the need for new water wells and other projects designed to boost the city's water capacity. As Hurricane Adalia ravaged parts of the southeastern U.S. this week, residents in Southern California and Nevada were still picking up the pieces from a previous storm and a retired KMA Land School Administrator witnessed the power of a tropical storm firsthand. Former Fremont Mills and Stanton School Superintendent Chris Herrick now lives in Palm Springs, just one of the communities hammered by the storm that roared up the California coast last Sunday. Herrick tells KMA News the storm dumped approximately three and a half inches of rain in a five-hour period. Though the excessive moisture caused problems, Herrick says communities below Palm Springs sustained the worst damage. As
4: that heavy rainfall, falling, that all runs into the Coachella Valley and some of our cities' down valley, such as Cathedral City, Palm Desert, uh, La Quinta, all got hit with basically a flood of water and mud and sand and several homes and roads were damaged uh, in those cities.
0: Herrick says residents in Cathedral City and other communities are still in cleanup mode. I've
4: seen some homes that have as much as four feet of mud in them. And so the city crews over there, those cities are busy clearing, basically clearing the mud off with inloaders off the streets and, and so on to get those uh, neighborhoods back. And then, of course, those residents are going to have to deal with the flooding in their homes and so on.
0: Herrick says some of the infrastructure damage will take months to repair. Though Herrick has experienced other storms in his five years as a Palm Springs resident, he says nothing compared to Hillary. He adds his community was fortunate not to experience high winds from the storm, which was downgraded from a hurricane prior to entering Southern California and Nevada. Plans to renovate the Mills County Annex Building took a giant step forward this week. During its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the Mills County Board of Supervisors selected Mark Hughes Construction for just over $598,000 for several remodeling and expansion efforts at the facility on Railroad Avenue in Southeast Glenwood. The board selected Mark Hughes over three other bids ranging from $700,000 to over $900,000. Supervisor Richard Crouch tells KMA News they were pleased at least one of the bids came in under their initial engineer's estimate of $600,000. We kind of
4: stuck to those guns, you know, that, that was the vicinity we wanted to be in and uh, we, re- we refused the first two bids. They came back with bids a little higher than what they had been on originally and then we had one uh, company that come in uh, way over over the bidding and then mark was below at 598000 So
0: This was the second round of bidding and earlier this month the board extended the bid deadline by a week. The supervisors also tabled action at last week's meeting to ensure all contractors were bidding on similar plans. Plans call for remodeling the bathrooms in the facility to meet ADA requirements, expanding the meeting room and rearranging office space. crowd says the additional space is greatly needed given the number of departments located in the building. The IT
4: guy and uh, his office personnel are pretty well tight, same way with planning and zoning. Uh, we have room for two people, but uh, you know it, it, it just helps out when you have more space, and especially with... Uh, public health where they will have an exam room now you never know you know people come in and, and uh, if they can isolate them in a room instead of standing out you know someplace in not in public
0: and the facility also currently holds offices for economic development with the american rescue plan Act funding the project uh, crouch says they're on a bit of a deadline to complete the project by the end of the year however he expressed confidence in the project getting wrapped up well before that Motorists will be out in full force this Labor Day weekend. With that, the Iowa State Patrol, along with several agencies across the state and nation, are participating in the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's Drive, Sober, or Get Pulled Over campaign through Monday. It includes a zero-tolerance policy for drunk or impaired driving. Trooper Ryan DeVault is the public resource officer for the patrol's District 3 office in Council Bluffs. DeVault tells KMA News the campaign also comes as millions of motorists nationwide are expected to hit the road again this weekend to ring in the unofficial end of summer. We know
2: that travel is going to be higher than than your normal given weekends. Granted, there are you know plenty of kids that are back to school, uh, but at the same time again it's kind of that uh, end of summer you know campers and those sorts of things sometimes. Uh, make up their last hurrah, and we know that traffic uh, is going to be an issue out there on the roads.
0: In 2020, from August 1st through Labor Day weekend, Evolve says there were 40 traffic fatalities in Iowa, with 31% being drug or alcohol-related. Additionally, he says impaired driving was involved in over 40% of the holiday weekend fatalities in 2021. From
2: September 3rd through September 7th back in 2021, there were 531 fatal crashes nationwide. 41% 41% of those involving drunk drivers. So everybody can still do a better job. Quite honestly, with planning ahead, um, none of these uh, drunk driver or drug driver fatalities should be happening uh, if, if everybody is being responsible and, you know, giving up those keys to a sober driver. And if you are a sober driver and you're the the designated driver for the night, you know, take that take that role seriously. And that
0: planning ahead will also give you ample time to work with the expected heavy traffic. DeVault also emphasized the importance of wearing a seatbelt. Many of the Labor Day weekend road trips in KMA land will include Essex. There is no place like Essex is the theme of this year's Labor Day celebration, which began Friday afternoon with a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the renovated Essex Opera House. While celebrating, Essex residents are also remembering a special individual. Essex Community Development Director Tess Nelson announced the celebration's Honorary Grand Marshal on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning.
3: This year we are honoring Steve Putnam, who was a longtime Page County law enforcement officer, and of course he did live and, and raise his family in Essex. Um, so his family, who did recently move back to Essex, will be standing in for him over the weekend as we honor Putter, as, as he was called around town. A
0: 1974 Shenandoah High School graduate, Putnam served 28 years as an Essex Reserve police officer, then as a reserve deputy for the Page County Sheriff's Office. He also spent 31 years with Essex Fire and Rescue, Putnam was an Essex resident from the late 1980s until his passing in August 2022. Previously, celebration organizers named Dennis and Teresa Perry as the parade's grand marshals for 2023. Nelson says registration is not required for the parade, which steps off in the community Monday afternoon at 2. We up.
3: show up I'm at the parking lot of the high school and we've got a wonderful couple committee members there that will kind of direct you where to go. Um, It's a first come first serve basis so you just kind of show up and that's your spot in the parade and
0: we welcome anyone. A complete Essex Labor Day celebration schedule is available on the EssexIowa.com website and Labor Day weekend means a big homecoming for Clarinda high school graduates. Events are planned through Sunday for the first Clarinda all-class reunion coinciding with celebrations marking the 100th anniversary of Iowa Western Community College's Clarendon campus. Pam Williams chairs the celebration's planning committee. Speaking on KMA's morning show Tuesday morning, Williams's plans for the all-class reunion received a resounding response. It was
3: hard to really pick a weekend. We were kind of shooting for a homecoming weekend, but <coughs> couldn't commit to that because they couldn't really decide Uh, until spring when uh, their homecoming was going to be, so we felt like, oh, that's too late to wait, (laughs) you know. So we picked Labor Day weekend. That gives everybody an extra day, and you know, then they could still be home for Labor Day if they want to.
0: Reunion events kicked off Friday night at the Page County Fairgrounds. Today's events include breakfast at Clarenda High School until 10 a.m., pickleball at the Leeds Center from 9 a.m. to noon, and a fun walk at the Leeds Center walking trail at 9.30 a.m., also scheduled is a barbecue in the Iowa Western Campus from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and a ceremony at 10 a.m. honoring Elaine Armstrong as the Iowa Western Alumnus of the Year. Now, Williams says visitors can check out the Clorinda community during the afternoon hours. I kind
3: of left uh, Saturday afternoon open so that people could go visit family or just kind of see the Clorinda again and just kind of roam around the Uh, Nottaway Valley Museum is going to be open and the Glenn Miller Birthplace will be open for them to
0: attend. Tonight's activities include a silent auction from 5 to 8 p.m and a welcome program at 7 p.m. Sunday's activities include the Clarinda Capers at Clarinda High School Auditorium at 1 p.m with a free will donation to the school's music department. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, or you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.